Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera. Pero este... Comenzará en tu mente ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado Para vivir Tu nueva aventura Nueva Ram 1500 Hecha para vivir Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC the polls on the join your channel this afternoon fresh revelations over how so much cash has been discovered uh, in the home of the former sanitation minister and uh, the claims that she's amassed uh, more um, cash in her residence that's the billing pay house and several bank accounts running into millions of dollars we'll get you the details about the latest uh, from the office of the special prosecutor here on the join news channel and uh, also coming up, we're paying attention to the Bank of Ghana expenditures, which is uh, raising eyebrows. We have the latest on the circumstances leading to the 60 billion uh, citizens loss of the central bank. Plus the decision day for ECOWAS leaders who are seeking to restore democracy in Niger. Uh, will they confirm their earlier pledge to force out the military junta? That's the question we're asking as President Akufado arrives in Abuja, meeting with other heads of states from the West African Saab region. 
It's a pleasure to be with you here on The Polls, brought to you by Global Communities, Digni Lua, for double safe sanitation for all. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and at myjoyonline.com. And this is now. We'll be back with details. Okay, so let's talk about the story that's been making rounds here on uh, the Joy News uh, platform uh, in the last few hours uh, because Cecilia, the past residents, where uh, there's uh, more details coming up and emerging from the search and seize uh, or seizure actually conducted by the Office of the Special Prosecutor and the residents of the uh, former Water and Sanitation Minister, Cecilia Bernadapa, a motion asking the court uh, to allow the Office of the Special Prosecutor hold on to money seized from the search and feather freeze. Um, Madam Cecilia Bernada Pass bank accounts will be moved uh, to next week. Um, we now have uh, my colleagues Richard Kojinyako and Isaac Ofieje who uh, will be joining me with uh, more uh, on this. Uh, in fact, let's get to it uh, because there's a need for us to uncover what it is that the uh, special prosecutor has been indicating to us. So let me start off with you, Richard Kojinyako, who says you have been uh, following this case in court. Uh, how much are we learning of in terms of uh, how much has been di discovered? Uh, and we'll be getting to Richard for you shortly uh, just to get uh, some updates uh, for you. But joining us now is anti-corruption campaign Adam Senano. Uh, he has uh, also been monitoring some of the developments now. Thank you, sir, uh, for spending some time with us. Uh, let's start off with this uh, discovery in her home. Uh, more cash found in the office uh, residents, I should say, of the uh, embattled uh, former sanitation minister, Cecilia Bernadapa. Uh, what's your reaction to the fact that, uh, in fact, she had more cash being stored at home? And, and what, what's that um, reinforcing for you as uh, anti-corruption TSOs? Well, um, honestly speaking, one would have hoped that this would not be the situation we find ourselves in, uh, because leadership is a very important aspect of any nation's development and one expects that leaders set examples that make it easier for citizens and people to go about their businesses assure that the right things will be done and that leaders inspire us um, connect with us in a way where we feel like they have our interests at heart now uh, the situation where all these sums of money in the context of this being a public officer whose income we know, and certainly the figures being called, are way above what anybody would expect. There's just no way to explain how a public officer earns this kind of money. Um, it's very worrisome. When the statement is made, uh, you, the civil society groups, are challenged to say, I mean, what's wrong with the minister keeping money at home, knowing that there's no law against it? It's not, it's not just the keeping of money. First of all, remember that this is not CDs. It's foreign exchange. And we do not print foreign exchange in Ghana. So when you start talking about hundreds and thousands of dollars or euro or whichever other currency, 
that is frightening. You're wondering how did that money get into the country? So that's the first part. The fact that it involves quite a bit of foreign currency. And then secondly, is the issue of unexplained wealth. And that's the point that most civil society uh, organizations will be highlighting, that this kind and quantum of money is not connectable, is not, we can't relate it to the level of remuneration that is being given to her as a public officer. So it's unexplained wealth. And it raises a lot of suspicions. In other jurisdictions in the US, they have civic forfeiture, where when unexplained wealth is identified, it is taken away, and you have the obligation, the burden of proof is placed on you to come back and show how you end this legitimately. A similar law exists in the UK. So unexplained wealth begins to raise suspicions that a public officer could have used their position um, to end resources that ordinarily would not have come to them. And so that's the, that's the challenge. Um, and, and varied accounts of what we're hearing in terms of uh, how much is involved in this. Uh, I just want us to get a brief confirmation from um, my colleague Richard Kodinyako, who's been following this case uh, in court as well, coupled with what we're hearing from the uh, Office of the Special Prosecutor now. Um, Richard, let's start off with um, the amounts disclosed in court um, just um, last week, I, I believe, when we're interacting on, on, on the last time the case was heard. How much exactly came up? And, and just opposing that to what we're hearing now, how, how do we reconcile the figures? So, blessed, uh, what we do know is that the case started when uh, the accused 18-year-old patient Butchie and 30-year-old Sarah J were charged with conspiracy to commit a crime and five counts of stealing, which includes $1 million, 300,000 euros, and millions of Ghana CDs. So the electives occurred between July and August 2022. So during this period, the House House allegedly stole personal effects belonging to Madame Cecilia Rapai, including assorted clothes valued at 95,000 Ghana CDs, handbags, perfumes, and jewelry worth 95,000 US dollars. Additionally, Ms. Butcher is accused of stealing six pieces of Kente cloth worth 90,000 Ghana CDs and six sets of men's suits valued at $3,000, which belong to the minister's husband. Furthermore, three other individuals identified as Ms. Butcher's current and former boyfriends and her father are also facing charges for allegedly being involved in the crime. So they are respectively charged with dishonestly receiving 1 million Ghana CDs, 180,000 Ghana CDs, and 50,000 Ghana CDs. So according to uh, the proceedings that have been going on in court, the stolen monies and items belong to, belong to the Minister for Sanitation and Water Resources. So the last time that we went to court, uh, the police, you know, uh, in all this while, they had put the sum in one, so one million dollars. That was what the police were, were were coming up, or the OSP or the Attorney General came up with. But when we went to the court for the last time, uh, they split the money into two, $800,000 and then $200,000, and so making one million dollars. And they say that all of these monies, including the euros, belong to the former Minister for Sanitation and Water Resources. Additionally, there was also no mention of the husband's suit or jacket. Um, so, you know, 
uh, when the incident started, we were also told that the husband jacket or suit was also part of the stolen items as well. And when we, the last time we were in court, the father of patients, Butchie, was also discharged by the court. So that is what we do know. So these are the amount of money that we are privy to as far as the court proceedings are concerned. We're learning of the very latest uh, move by the Office of the Special Prosecutor and the fact that this moves to um, freeze all seven accounts, but there are figures involved in this as well. And how much was also retrieved from home after the initial um, check was done by the Office of the Special Prosecutor. But, but before we um, hear from you, Adam Senan, on, on the way forward, um, let, let's get to Isaac because Isaac has been tracking the figures, how much is involved. And, and what the likely implications are. Um, so, so let's run our viewers through the amount involved as we speak. So what we decided to do uh, is to um, sum all the total, sum all the you know, items and then also all the cash involved in this case. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of the cash stolen, we are hovering around uh, some $1.6 million. Items stolen uh, is also... Uh, somewhere close to um, you know uh, two hundred twenty-five thousand you know um, dollars. Then we also have amounts in banks and investment accounts and all of those things. So we decided to do a summation of the total amounts involved uh, in this case. And if we add what our sources are telling us, the five million dollars in a certain bank, and then also plus. Uh, some, uh, you know, um, uh, I think $4.8 million or so in a bank account, then you are hovering around $12.4 you know, million involving this whole Cecilia Dapa case. So we are totaling the cash stolen and then also items stolen uh, plus monies uh, in bank accounts, investment accounts, and then also, uh, you know, uh, reported cases of yeah. monies that were found Twelve million is no small money, um, Adam said. But but the point is, and that's the question we've been asking: Is it the case that the Minister of State here in Ghana cannot raise that amount after six years in power? And I don't think so. I I don't see how you can raise that kind of money. Uh, uh, I mean, unless there's something I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 Probably you're not there. We are not there. We are all not in that police. We're not, not there. We're not there. <laughs> so definitely we are not. But, but it also brings up the conversation about legislation and reforms. Uh, I've seen some civil society organizations already push for um, the conduct of public officers. Bill, how, how crucial is that piece of legislation in, in checking all of this? Absolutely critical. Um, because there's the issue of unexplained wealth that we have not properly legislated on. And so we're just fortunate that the OSP has an article that covers investigating politically exposed persons and potential crimes. Uh, other jurisdictions are very explicit. Unexplained wealth, the burden of proof is on you to come and explain how did you end this. Uh, especially for public officers, because you see, um, the disillusionment of the citizenry is simply the fact that you, are, you find yourself in a situation where when the economy and the country is mismanaged, taxes go up, ordinary citizens have to pay much more, and especially in the context that it appears that leadership is failing to run and manage things appropriately. 
And then you come and find that there are public officers who appear to be having said gargantuan sums, and you're wondering, really, what's happening here? Is anybody really taking up these positions as a matter of public interest? Or is it self-serving? It raises a lot of doubts and questions. I mean, obviously, we are waiting till the investigation is con concluded to have what the facts are. But it doesn't look well. It doesn't augur well. Um, and we are expecting that uh, public officers are very conscious of the implications of engaging in things like this. And so I honestly don't know how this kind of money would be available to a public officer. Yeah, yeah. And, and also part of the challenge, um, obviously, would have to do uh, with uh, the case and how we are approaching this. We, we have the uh, Attorney General's office pursuing one leg of the case and then the special prosecutor doing his own. What should be made of, for instance, the accusations against the uh, two young ladies who, we understand, made away with the cash while we pursue what it is that we're pursuing now? Because it's as though we're leaving the criminals, quote-unquote, and by, by extension, we're not saying uh, they're guilty as of now, and we're pursuing the complainant, the one who says, well, it's my money that's missing. I think that. I mean, let's not mix the issues up. All of them have cases to answer. Mm. The House have, have a case to answer in respect of having entered somebody's private room and picked items allegedly uh, that belong to them. That is a case that the courts will have to um, investigate um, and at the end of the day draw a conclusion on. At the same time, uh, we do know that we have public officers paid at a certain level. When you have a public officer who appears to be any far more than what can be explained, there is a case, a potential case to be had. Is it a situation of conflict of interest and corruption because uh, this person then proceeded to take advantage of their position? Is it a case of money laundering? What is the source of the money, especially when you start talking foreign currency, and is it legitimate? So I don't think that we have left uh, one case of, of the households who are allegedly have stolen and are focusing on that. I think both are important, uh, but for the public interest, obviously, it will be the public officer who has sworn to serve this country uh, and who it appears has sums of money that none of us can actually understand how mm. she got those sums of money. Okay. At least for th There's one aspect for, to, for us to exhaust, which has got to do with uh, dealing with perception and how that will affect government. Um, but there's also the law that we are looking at. Uh, Adam, just hold on for us. Nick Pakusamuato is also a lawyer, uh, joining us via phone, joining the conversation. Um, Ni, when it comes to the law, it appears it's clear that th there's nothing, there's, there's no prohibition when it comes to the amount of money you can have at home, correct? That is an interesting one. Um, there is no statute that I know of, and, and I want to add a caveat, that I know of. So if somebody else has a statute that maybe can draw attention to, he can also assist us. But to my knowledge, there is no law that prohibits a person to hold a particular amount of money in his or her account. But 
What the financial institutions have is what you call anti-money laundering regulations or anti-money laundering uh, officers whose duty is to ensure that our financial institutions are not used for money laundering purposes. So if you, for example, uh, deposit any money in any account in Ghana, and there is a reason for some suspicion to be aroused as a result of maybe the quantum of the money or the fact that it's an irregular transaction, there are internal mechanisms within the bank to ensure that they would flag it and make a, a suspicious transaction report to the Financial Intelligence Center of the Bank of Ghana, who would then take it up and deal with it from that angle. But I don't know of any specific law that prohibits a person from having a particular amount of money in your account. Um, but being a public officer, I'm sure what the special prosecutor would probably do is to do a live audit report and ask you to come and demonstrate whether the money you have as a public officer is commensurate to the salary that you earn as a public officer. And so if you are able to demonstrate that, well, as a public officer, I earn X amount of money. Maybe I do a few things uh, on the site. And when you add all those things together, maybe I have a cold store, I have a shop, I have this, I have that. When I put all together, I can account for the money that is in my account. So well and good. The point is this. It is actually, would be actually not right to say that we shouldn't encourage people to put money in your bank. But the source of your money is what is at stake. You must be able to demonstrate to any investigating body that the money in your account is from a legitimate source. And that is all. And, and, and that's where I also want to get your thoughts um, as a lawyer. How easy is it to escape this whole threshold of proving the source of your wealth? Oh, it's not about escaping. I mean, as a lawyer, the client is the one that will give you the information. You can't conjecture. So if you are a lawyer for somebody who has been... Um, whose account has been frozen. And the account, are, let's make it clear, people's accounts are frozen all the time. It's a routine thing. It's not a big, it's not a, 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 a sudden event. But people go to court and are able to prove the source of their income. And their prison orders are what? Are removed. So the fact that a special prosecutor has frozen your account does not mean that that is the end of the matter. You have a right to go to court to ask the court to release your funds by showing that the funds there are from a legitimate source. Mm, I see. And, and that would include, for instance, the examples that we're giving, no, no, non-official accounts telling us, for instance, that um, it may be funeral donations. We've had, we've had that example, for instance. Cecilia probably is about 60-something year old, right? So in her lifetime of work, has she worked in the UN, for example? Has she worked... Escuchas ese rugido. ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. So, that could be legitimate sources of their income. So, it would be very unfair to just jump and say that she is guilty of something. That's why we have few process. You understand? You all have to be careful. Other than that, if we run and become a mob, we do what we call mob justice. We'll be, we'll be, we'll be very treating somebody. Uh, and, and, that's what, and that's what I also want to take your thoughts on. Are we being fair to the f- former minister? That, 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 that is why the media is 
That's why she's undergoing an investigation. And that is why you, the media, must also be fair in your reportage. I'm sure she has lawyers on record. So you might as well want to speak to them and get further information from them. You know, I don't think that these selective leaks are also helpful. Because, well, I mean, it's, it's, it was, well, she has this amount of money, but it was in a bank. So the bank will probably have a history of how those transactions came about. Mm, I see. Grateful. Yeah. Thank you for spending some time with us. So, okay, let, let's wrap up now. Um, we talk about the implications for our economy as well, because that $12 million is, is, is no joke. That's a significant amount of money. But before I let you go, Adam, uh, what should be the way forward, and how should government also be dealing with this? Because, mind you, the president has come under sharp criticism. Even before this case unfolded, he was confident that, of course, the integrity of the minister will be established. Yes, that was an unfortunate comment. Uh, we don't expect our president to be taking positions on these issues. Um, and those who write his speeches, uh, plus himself, um, they should pay attention to those details. Um, the president ought to be neutral until the investigation is concluded. I think that um, government should show support. I, I, I was a bit, I'm a bit disappointed that on the, on the back of the fact that the week before, the president spoke to the full gospel uh, business fellowship and talked about corruption. When this came up, the position should have been, we fully support the anti-corruption agencies, uh, let the West be going to it, we will distance ourselves, we will remain neutral until we arrive at a conclusion on the matter. And that will build confidence in everybody about people being, uh, allowing the checks and balances in our systems to work. I think the OSP should continue to, to, to um, investigate and come to a closure on this matter. I am hoping that within two months, so now let's say in a month and a half, they should be able to give us some formal report on how far and what their conclusions are. Uh, I think this is a test case. I'm wondering what, how other ministers feel about it, because the question on my mind is that um, at the end of the day, if if all of us can arrive at a conclusion that these monies were uh, legitimately sourced, then honestly, I'm wondering why this country is, is struggling. Uh, uh, we have that kind of money sitting around. Uh, maybe we should be finding a way of pulling the resources that our ministers and others have to fund government and this country to move forward. Uh, but the point is, what's the worst that could happen to Cecilia Bernadette? She's resigned. She has absolutely nothing to lose. Oh, I mean, what I don't understand what you mean. What the worst is, if the source of the income is illegitimate, uh, the likelihood is that that money will be seized or forfeited. Um, and it's a lot of money we are talking about. Um, uh, we may not have the substantive laws in place. And it also depends on what the investigations on the sums of money in account also reveal. Um, if you've breached some of the anti-money laundering rules, that too could re result in some sanctions. So we still have some time to really understand what kind of sanctions may apply if she's found culpable of anything. Uh, but on the other hand, the... At least the least case scenario, if the monies were not properly sourced, not legitimately sourced, would be that that money is likely, um, from what I see, to be to be confiscated. Uh, we're not speaking enough about the office of the special prosecutor. 
Are you confident that they can do a good job at this? Well, so far, so good. Um, and I just that when you talk about your sources, that also worries some of us. We, 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 we are not expecting, we're not expecting leakages, leakages to be happening. Uh, I don't know how joint management. No, but uh, but that should be our job, and, and that remains our job, actually. It's not a job of the Office of the Special Prosecutor. <laughs> well, so far, so good. Yeah. Um, except that, yeah, I mean, the, the thing is that if leakages are not well managed, we could have a skewed picture uh, before the final conclusion. So that's my only worry that, uh, like the previous speaker said, you just need to make sure that whatever we're speaking to, we, are, we remain balanced uh, until we arrive at the conclusion of the matter. I see. Grateful for the time. Adam Senano Antigraft campaign are joining us um, for a conversation. In fact, uh, this is beginning to raise a number of uh, White condemnation, especially from the side of the opposition National Democratic Congress with some of its um, members of parliament raising concerns about uh, the manner in which this case is unfolding. Joining us now is a ranking member on the Foreign Affairs Committee. And it's a good time to be talking to him because quite a lot happening in some sub-region as well uh, that we'll get his thoughts on shortly. But um, some, Honorable Samuel Okujetua-Blakwa, welcome to the polls. Thank you for talking to us. Uh, your thoughts initially on what we've heard so far about the Cecilia Dapa case. Surprised? Very shocking, uh, Blizzard. And this is really a terrible day for politics in Ghana. And I really worry that this will have far-reaching consequences on the entire political class, uh, even though the ruling party will be most affected. Uh, but depending on how this is managed and the uh, reforms that take place, if care is not taken, uh, it will uh, delve a mortal uh, wound, if you like, on the entire credibility and image of the Ghanaian political class. This is a matter that should not be taken lightly at all. I must, first of all, commend the Office of Special Prosecutor. Uh, so far, it will appear that they are doing a credible job and uh, they deserve all our support. Uh, having said that, uh, these revelations... Uh, begin to speak to how endemic uh, this Akufuado Baumia government uh, has been in corruption. Uh, they clearly have been neck deep. Uh, it is shocking that all of these monies uh, can end up uh, in uh, private homes, private accounts, and uh, the, 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 the system does not even detect. They, they don't even appear to know that the government is losing money it tells you that uh, there are fundamental problems because we are not talking about uh, pocket change or a few uh, thousands of uh, CDs or dollars. I mean, millions of dollars. And uh, the latest one, $5 million in an account, is mind-boggling. Mm. And uh, one, one begins to wonder, the projects that are being undertaken by this government, how, how, how are they carrying out these projects, what is going on in terms of the value for money, in terms of the procurement, in terms of actual execution of these projects. When ministers tell us that they have valued a particular project at a certain amount, how sure are we that indeed that is the amount and that these funds are going into the project? So this has opened a can of worms, and there will be the need for the entire 
government to be audited. All government projects, all government programs and activities must now be subjected to thorough scrutiny. Including, including House, appointees? Certainly, certainly. And when the House resumes, some of us are going to be uh, submitting motions to the Speaker for uh, a larger inquiry, a larger audit into government projects, government initiatives. How sure are we that when they come to Parliament for approval, uh, those sums of money really go into the project? Uh, and it, it also raises questions even about how we carry out audit, the Auditor General's Department. Probably there is time, uh, I mean, this is time for reform, for audits to be done a bit more faster and a bit more stringent uh, so that uh, we don't have loopholes which people can take care of. Now, it is also important to raise uh, this matter. Under the Ghanaian Constitution, members of parliament and ministers of state can only conduct business, I mean, do private business with the express permission of the speaker. There is a whole committee responsible for that, uh, the, uh, the, the committee for uh, members uh, who want to hold office of profit. Uh, I have checked the records, and uh, it is clear that uh, the, the Honorable Cicely Adapa did not apply uh, to, to that committee mm. or to, to the speaker okay. to be excused to hold an office of profit. So uh, it, it's going to be very, it, it, it's going to be very, uh, in as much as I don't want to uh, sound judgmental or prejudicial, uh, I'm, I'm waiting to hear what excuses there are, what justification she has, considering that she has not applied to parliament to hold an office of profit, to, in other words, to to carry out private business, which uh, probably uh, could be the source of this of of, of, of yeah. all of this, you know, uh, uh, mind blowing but, amount. Yeah, but there is talk about her pedigree and, and what she's done in the past, what she's portfolio she's occupying now throughout the Akufuado administration. You've been a minister, at least a deputy minister of state before. Uh, now an MP, you are in the political class. Are you telling me that? A minister of state, former minister of state, cannot raise close to $12 million? How? How, how, how are you going to raise that? <laughs> how, how are you going to raise that? And, 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 and for what? How, how are you raising that? And, and it's, going into, it's, in, it's being kept in private homes, it's going to private accounts. It's not as if uh, you have gone to raise an idea. If it's internally generated funds, yeah. uh, it, it, it is not, it's kept in the ministry's account. Is not kept in your private account. It's not kept in your private home. And it, there's an audit trail. There's paperwork. You know, it, it, you, you have to declare. Parliament must know. You know, so it's, I, 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 I'm, I'm totally in shock, in absolute bewilderment about the fantastic sum of money we are hearing, the staggering amount. <laughs> It's, 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 it's incredible. It's unbelievable. And, and you see, this must lead us to major reforms. For example, the asset declaration, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that regime must be totally overhauled, where uh, assets are declared in secrecy and they are sealed, and nobody gets to know about them. The asset declaration regime 
has turned out to be a sham. It's not fit for purpose. We need to change that regime where assets will be declared publicly. Everybody can go and verify, and then we can know what you are worth coming in, what you are worth during the process, uh, during, during your tenure as an appointee, and what you are worth afterwards. The current uh, asset declaration regime only appears to be aiding this kind of conduct, and that has to change. And then we must also raise issues about the Conduct of Public Officers Act. That has been in the bosom of the, the, the current president. The former government has done a lot of work on that, but we haven't seen any progress. There is a need for that uh, code of conduct legislation to be passed without delay. And then let me also say that the presidency and then national security, how are they oversighting? You see, I recall under President Kufo, he talked about internal mechanisms to check. He even had, uh, if you like, an anti-corruption czar, which uh, uh, will be responsible. I mean, the czar was responsible for carrying out internal me mechanisms that will ensure that even within the government, they are able to pick these 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 these, these uh, 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 developments. Uh, if monies are taxed, if there is diversion, uh, then uh, some early warning mechanism of a sort. What has happened to that kind of arrangement? So it means that the president himself, either it is he's just opened the floodgates, it's a, it's a free for all, everybody can just indulge, or he has failed in carrying out his oversight. When he said, he assured the Ghanaian people that he is coming to protect the public press, and he has told his people that anybody who wants to make money should go to the private sector. When the president made that promise to us, when he gave us that assurance, what mechanism did he put in place? What system did he put in place to make sure that it was not just a verbal assurance, uh, if you like, an empty rhetoric, but he was going to actually put in place eternal checks and balances to make sure that that pledge that he made to the Ghanaian people is fulfilled. Mm. So far, I am totally disappointed that it appears that the president just, you know, right. uh, spoke for the chair, but did not put in place the the, the internal mechanism to prevent this from happening. Okay. Uh, Honorable Samuel Kujetua Blackwell, kindly hold on for us, uh, because while you are at this ECU of Cecilia Abunadapa, the president you're talking of is in Abuja, Nigeria, as we speak. Lots happening um, in Abuja uh, as we speak right now, because there are considerations about a possible deployment of Ghanaian troops uh, as part of our uh, contribution to ECOWAS to restore constitutional order in Niger. I would want to take your thoughts on that briefly, uh, but let's bring closure to the story. Um, Isaac Ophiaj with our data um, desk and research desk is still here with us. $12 million. We are seeing there's a possible impact on the economy as well. Exchange in this country. So if you have, um, you know, economic agents or individuals keeping these huge sums of money at home, mm -hmm. And then it becomes problematic. But it's also tell you that uh, the kind of exchange rates we had about four, five, or six months ago also compelled people to keep, um, you know, foreign liquidity or exchange in their homes because they felt that, I mean, what's the point in keeping it in a bank? Yeah. 
if I keep it today and it's, it's, it's around one dollar is to a certain amount and I go the next day, that's you know depreciated. So people were you know keeping their money safe in their own homes, mm. but 12 million dollars that's our estimate. It includes the amount stolen, you know, our valuation of the items involved, amounts in bank accounts, and also the investment. Mm. So we are hoping that um, you know. Quite a significant amount there. Uh, former United Nations uh, Senior Governance Advisor, Professor uh, Barfordjiman Dria, has uh, actually described this whole Cecilia Abana Dapa case as a tragedy for government and the nation as well. Professor Ajiman Dria believes that the successive governments are unable to pass, uh, for instance, uh, the Code of Conduct for Public Officers Bill, which will check some of these happenings. I think it's a tragedy for her as a person, and a tragedy for the government, and a tragedy for the nation. Why? Because when you're in the midst of uh, such uh, impoverishment, you are in an economy that is sinking, and people are uh, really hard-pressed, and you are discovered to have that amount in your room, then only the good Lord knows how much more uh, you have and how much more your own colleagues may have. It raises all kinds of questions, you see. That's why it's a tragedy. Even if the money is hers legitimately, the fact that she will keep such an amount in the house, in itself, is repugnant mm. for a public official. And then this has raised the issue of the public office, public uh, officer's conduct bill and a code of conduct for them that has been in the works for so long. What's your verdict on what you see, now? our politicians are very tricky. Our, I call them professional politicians. Those whose whole life, I think, revolves around politics. Uh, they don't have any other profession, even when they are out of uh, government. These are prof- professional politicians. You see, they have what you call the asset declaration. The law itself is defective because it makes you declare the assets, give it to the Auditor General, Accountant General, you lock it up. That's it. When you leave office, nobody knows about that. Civil society has been raising concerns about that. If the asset declaration were effective, I'm sure some of these lapses that we're just talking about would not have occurred. Mm. Because at every period, specified period, we will examine how much you have. But we don't have that. The public uh, code of conduct for public officers, that's another important thing we should uh, make sure we pass Mm. But I understand that both sides are not too keen on it because they are afraid of accountability, you mm. see. And that is why I think somehow we, a new thinking should be made. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Los mejores viajes. Nacen en la carretera Pero este Comenzará en tu mente ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado Para vivir Tu nueva aventura Nueva Ram 1500 
hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCI US LLC. And I'm not sure I can emerge from these two parties. Where should it come from? It should come from civil society, those who have been sitting on the fence. I think unless those already in the game can reset their minds. You think they can? To be tough. Okay. That's they have enjoyed this too much. Well, now to Nigeria, because uh, President Akufuado, as we understand, is with uh, other West African leaders. They're locked up in a meeting in uh, Nigeria's capital, Abuja, deliberating on the political situation in Niger. The president last week agreed uh, to a collective decision by West African uh, sub-regional body ECOWAS to deploy military troops to restore constitutional order if the presidential guard in Niger, which asked the democratically elected president, Mohamed Bazoum, does not reinstate him within one week. Uh, attempts uh, have been made this week to dialogue with the military. That has failed, raising concerns that President Akufado and other um, leaders may opt for military action, uh, addressing a gathering at the start of the ECOWAS summit, which is underway in Nigeria. Uh, Nigerian President Bola Ahmed Tinubu, who doubles as the chairperson of the ECOWAS leaders, noted... Uh, that all measures will be exhausted in order to restore constitutional order. Um, we'll hear from the Nigerian president shortly, but uh, Honorable Samuel Kujetua Blanco is still with us. Um, Honorable, just, just um, seeing pictures there of President Akufuado arriving earlier this morning, uh, but that meeting is still underway. In any moment from now, I'm sure deliberations will end, and then they would have to make that final decision to go into Niger with military troops and i've spoken to the defense minister already who's told us that ghana stands ready to deploy its military to support that exercise your ranking on the foreign affairs committee would you support that let me come to this in the gc and since we are now in the international arena i just wanted to point out that this is matter also has far-reaching international consequences if you take the report on her ministry in parliament Parliament observed that about 93% of the, the, the budget, the allocation to her ministry, is being sponsored by the donor community. So if you have more than 90% of your funds being donor funds, and this is the kind of conduct, this is the, the news emanating from from the ministry, from your stewardship, you should begin to imagine that these countries, their taxpayers are going to be deeply worried, they are going to be demanding answers, and it's going to have a ripple effect on the entire Ghanaian economy. They are not likely to have the appetite to keep giving us donor assistance for, you know, this kind of, of conduct and this kind of revelations, you know, to continue. So that's a space we need to begin watching how the donor community responds, because that is a ministry that was heavily donor-funded. More than 90% of their, of their funds came from the donors. And yet, this is the kind of uh, scorecard that the minister's conduct is, is putting across. So we, I just thought that I'd bring that, since we are now in the international arena, uh, uh, we, we, we bring that up uh, for, for consideration. Now let me come to Niger. Blessing, we have put out a statement. When I say we are party, we have put out a statement stating clearly that we believe in dialogue, we believe in constructive dialogue, 
impactful diplomacy, we do not think that an ECOWAS military intervention should be considered now. It, 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 it was put on the table too early, and that is what even has made the, the coup peace to be entrenched. And if you have observed, they even turned away uh, ECOWAS negotiators yesterday and, and all of that. We are of the view that uh, a military intervention should be taken off the table now, and let us see more dialogue. When we have constructive dialogue, we can agree, uh, agree, all of us can agree on a blueprint or a roadmap towards the return to constitutional order. We all do not support military takeovers. We don't want to return to the era of coups. We want democracy to be entrenched. But you see, as we talk about democracy, we must all begin to reflect on why the democratic dividend is not, is not bearing fruit. Why is it that too many African people are living in poverty, unemployment, lack of opportunity? See how many people are dying trying to cross the Mediterranean into Europe. So these schools are a reflection of failed leadership. Democracy hasn't worked. Leaders have been too corrupt. Leaders have been too bankrupt in ideas, in vision. They have been clueless. And that is what has plunged the continent into this state of despair, this state of despondency, this state of, of, of lack and abject poverty. So as we discuss Niger, we must look at the broader concept of, of, of democracy yielding the necessary fruits that will improve the lot of the African people. And not until we go back to address the fundamental issues, why democracy is failing and why these democratically elected leaders appear to be continuing with the neo-colonial entanglement. If you look at the case of Niger, you have uh, France continuously, you know, really exploiting them. The colonialists have never really left, and they are uh, signing all kinds of uranium agreements. We do not really benefit the people, only a few ruling elite. So these are the fundamental issues that have to be addressed. They are the causes of the uh, instability that we are seeing. The coups, the violent insurgencies, and all the, uh, the, 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 the extremists who are taking over, it is because they are exploiting all of these fault lines. And that is the discussion that we want to hear our ECOWAS leaders have and address. If we don't do that, the coups are going to continue. I mean, I see on the horizon a few more, even before the year ends. If we do not see a, a, a radical shift, a new paradigm of development on the continent. I was asking the question about uh, Ghana's decision and our position on this matter and to contribute troops if need be. Would you support that from, from the parliamentary side? First of all, I want to state very, very strongly, without any equivocation, that we condemn the approach of the Akufuado Baumia government. They should have subjected all of these matters to a full-blown parliamentary debate. Look at what is happening even in Nigeria. Despite the president's decision, the Senate is debating these matters and even departing from the president's decision. Other countries are subjecting this major decision to a parliamentary debate.
a parliamentary vote for a parliamentary resolution. That is what is done in a democracy. Why is it that President Akufuado, he just gets off and he goes there communicating a Ghanaian position? How did he arrive at that Ghanaian position? Has there been a debate? Has there been national consensus? Has there been a certain bipartisan approach? No. That is why in the statement that the NDC put out yesterday, signed by the General Secretary, we are calling on the President to come back to Ghana, come to Parliament, let, that's where the people's representatives are. Let's have a debate, and then we can know what really the Ghana position is, and what direction we should take as a country. As it is now, it is only the President who purports to be, and you see the irony is that you are going out there to lecture others on democracy. But in your country, back at home, you are not following democratic tenets. Mm. Democracy demands that such major, look, we are talking about deployment of troops. Soldiers can be killed. They are not going to, I mean, for, for a tea party. They are not going to present a bouquet of flowers. They are going to war. Lives will be lost. And then, who is going to fund that war? It is the Ghanaian people, the Ghanaian taxes. Have we discussed this? Have we debated it? Have we been told how much it will cost us? And do we, even the state of this economy, at a time that we are going through a domestic debt exchange program, all of these financial haircuts, pensioner bondholders, contractors are owed over 15 billion cities, school feeding caterers are owed, NAPCO trainees are owed, everybody is owed. This is Assembly Common Fund, MPs Common Fund. Government says they don't have the money. Are we sure we can find money to pay our troops to go to war. Are you and, suggesting, are and, you suggesting and, that? And shouldn't, yeah. shouldn't such a major mm. issue be brought to parliament where the people's representatives are for us to do a full consideration of the matter to understand the full parameters, the consequences of, of such a decision? Are you then so, suggesting that, would, that no sort of... Um, you know, meetings were held between the Foreign Affairs Committee and the Ministry no, over extension no, of No, not one, not one, not one. And that is shocking. That is shocking. Not one, not a single meeting, either at the committee level or at the plenary level. And, and that, that, that is not democracy. Look, this is a major decision with far-reaching consequences. Already you have our neighboring countries who are saying that they don't support war. Mali, Burkina Faso... Uh, uh, and then Guinea. We have heard them. What, are going, what, what, what will be the fallout? How are they going to react? You know, and then you have heard the, 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 the military junta say that they will consider any aggression by ECOWAS a declaration of war. They are they stand in readiness to defend themselves. There's going to be a bloodbath. So the horizon doesn't look good. This is a major, major decision. We should be brought to Parliament for a parliamentary discussion and a parliamentary resolution so that the President will have the sense of the, 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 the country, the direction of the country, and then he will have a legitimate mandate. As he goes to hold these ECOWAS meetings and, and, and all these declarations of war and threats of military intervention and all of that, the Defense Ministry says that they are standing by to deploy troops. Is that how troops are, de are deployed? What does the Constitution say about deployment of troops, about declaration of war? I mean, these are major, major decisions. We should be brought to Parliament, at the very least, 
for a parliamentary debate, a parliamentary resolution. And I am really appalled that none of this has been done, and the president continues to go out there to be to purport to be speaking on behalf of Ghana when no Ghanaian position really has been crystallized democratically so far as this Niger crisis is concerned. Mm. Okay, but, but, but since we are picking lessons from the likes of Mali, Burkina Faso, Niger, what steps should we be taking to safeguard our democracy? Uh, just yesterday I was playing the sound of uh, the Speaker of Parliament, Alban Bagme, indicating that in Ghana what we may experience, in his view, will be social unrest. That, that's his personal opinion on, on, on what's happening. Yes, uh, and the Speaker's opinion should not be taken lightly. You know that he's the most experienced legislator, and he's been around for a very long time. And those of them who have seen all kinds of military interventions in Ghana, when they speak, you should, you should listen to them. And what the Speaker is pointing to is even worse. You see, when there is a military coup, uh, the soldiers have their targets. Uh, they will come for leaders, they will leave the people, and even that they have a command, uh, there is a hierarchy, uh, they can decide what they want to do with the few people that they arrest. But if it is a social upheaval, if it is a people's uprising, a mass uprising, that one is leaderless. You don't have any military command in control, and everybody is at risk. Everybody is fair target. So that prospect even frightens me more than a coup. We've seen what happened with the Arab Spring from uh, Egypt to Tunisia, uh, Algeria, and all of that. We saw, we saw the consequences. So these warnings should really come to us as timely. And leadership must rise up and be more responsive. And that is why I really worry about the revelations surrounding this Cecilia Dapa matter and how it could even be then seen as, oh, all the politicians are like that, all the politicians are the same. When we are all not the same, we all don't do that. All of us do not have that kind of money, you know, under our bed. But Samuel Okuja to Ablakwa doesn't have $12 million? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> oh, I've never seen anything like that in my life. Are you I sure don't about even, this? I don't even know how it looks like. Please. I don't even know how it looks like. You know, and, and you see, the question you ask, that is the, the danger, that is the threat. Mm -hmm. You know, every, now all politicians are at risk. <laughs> Look, you are even going to begin to see all kinds of robberies, all kinds of attacks, because of, 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 of this development. And, and, and we are not safe. You know, so what Speaker Bagbin has warned about is a matter that we shouldn't take lightly. And all of us, the entire political leader. That is why, you see, presidents should not be on a frolic of their own, making declarations on behalf of Ghana. Let us let democracy work. Let us bring these matters to parliament. Let's have a national debate. Let us discuss thoroughly. Are we sure that this is the best approach? Shouldn't we uh, rather encourage constructive dialogue? Shouldn't we uh, adopt a more diplomatic rapprochement and then uh, cut down on the on the on the on the on the bombastic language, the talk of violence and all of that. And you see, people are even beginning to raise questions about fairness and discrimination and all of that. 
uh, why was that not done in Guinea? Why was that not done in, in Mali? Why was that not done in Burkina Faso? You know, so let's, 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 let's have cool heads take control and let us opt for a democratic path moving forward. And I must insist that these matters should be brought to the Ghanaian parliament. Look, even though we are recent, we can have, this is such an important matter that the speaker will, will hurriedly convene an emergency session. Every country, look, even what in other countries, you hear House of Commons meeting on the kind of support they should send, the British should send to Ukraine. The, the U.S. Congress has met time without number to pass resolutions on the kind of support to send to Ukraine, even though it is really not their war and they are only supporting as allies. So how is it that in Ghana, our president, without any parliamentary resolution, can be talking about uh, deploying troops, uh, military intervention, and our parliament is not playing any role at all. No committee has been engaged. The plenary has not, has not uh, debated these matters. Please, we can't go out there lecturing others on democracy when we are not following democratic tenets back home. Mm. Grateful. Uh, Honorable, your final thoughts on all that, all that you've said today, uh, especially as we await the outcome. Uh, the decision will eventually be for ECOWAS to decide if they want to use the military option or otherwise. What's your final take on, on the expected announcement that we'll be hearing? I hope that the heads of state will rather opt for further diplomatic exchanges. There has to be negotiation. There has to be a, a, a peaceful resolution. I do not think that the use of force will help us. It's going to lead to a bloodbath. Already, we are talking about a fragile region. That is a territory that you have all of these uh, violent extremists in the Sahel who, who have made that place their base. You have Al-Qaeda there, you have ISIS there. Then you also have military, a U.S. military base. You have French troops also standing by. It will be seen as a proxy war. You are going to have all of these external actors. It's going to be such a murky, messy situation. And I do not think that that is the best way forward. I want to see constructive dialogue. I want to see further uh, diplomatic engagement. That should be the way forward. And then let's get the military junta to agree to a roadmap so that within the next few weeks or few months, they can return to uh, constitutional democratic order. But even more fundamentally, I want the heads of state to start talking about why is it that coups have become so popular? Why has democracy failed? Why have the people become so disenchanted that any time these coups occur, see the mass approval, the praises that are showered on these coup leaders, the... The, the, the mass celebration that occurs on the streets of all of these countries, these leaders should start a genuine introspection. They must begin to reflect on how they have failed, how governance has been so terrible that the people now are beginning to look up to the military for salvation. These are the fundamental issues we expect the leaders to be addressing. Grateful for your time uh, here on the polls, uh, Honorable Samuel Kujeto, uh, Blackwine. And uh, you're just seeing pictures there. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. 
But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera. Pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado. Para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500. Hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Of um, the venue that's hosting all of these West African leaders, including uh, President Kufado, who's also present at that meeting earlier. At the start of the engagement, Nigeria's president, who chairs um, the ECOWAS Authority of Heads of State, uh, has been delivering a speech indicating that the one-week ultimatum did not work. However, ECOWAS is willing to exhaust all means in restoring constitutional order uh, in Niger. No need to go back to the history and dis- discussions that led us to this trial. I want to thank my colleague and head of state some of whom are, some of them are in vacation. They cancel their vacation to respond to this invitation this morning. And they have kept faith with us, with democracy, freedom, and economic development, not only of ECOWAS region, but the African continent as a whole. To get today, we gather with profound sense of urgency and firm determination, building upon the commitment made during our first extraordinary summit on the grave political crisis befalling our sister nation. During that initial meeting, we voiced our solidarity with the people of Niger and their democratically elected president, His Excellency Mohamed Bazou, by condemning the military takeover and the unjust detention of their democratically elected president and other officials. As you may recall, we call the juncture to rescind the decision of, the to- of them toppling a democratically elected government. We proceeded to impose sanctions with the hope that this resolute measure will serve as a catalyst for the restoration of the constitutional order in Niger. Regrettably, the seven-day ultimatum we issued during the fourth summit has not yielded the desired outcome. We have also made diligent effort through the 
deployment of various ECOWAS mediation teams. I'm glad Abdul Salam Abubakar is here. His Eminence is here. Laban Kanogingipe is here. To give you the report and their observation during the intervention. I must, on behalf of every one of you, show gratitude to them, patriotism and dedication, seal for which they have responded to the assignment to intervene and bring peace, stability back to Niger. They have feasted Libya, Algeria, and they were received by leaders there. Your Excellencies, distinguished ladies and gentlemen, following the resolution of our previous extraordinary summit, to initiate a meeting of ECOWAS Chief of Defense Staff. The meeting of the Chief of Defense Staffs was duly held from 2nd to 4th of August 2023. The outcome of that meeting, as well as a memorandum by the President of the ECOWAS Commission on current social political development in Niger, in Niger, will be presented during this summit. This will offer critical insight that will inform our collective decision-making process at this meeting. Today's summit provides a significant opportunity for meticulously reviewing and assessing the progress made since our last gathering. It is essential to evaluate the, the effectiveness of our interventions and identify any gaps or challenges that may have in that progress. Only through this comprehensive assessment can we collectively chart a new sustainable path towards lasting peace, stability, and prosperity in Niger. More so, in reaffirming our relentless commitment to democracy, human rights, and the well-being of the people of Niger, it is crucial that we prioritize diplomatic negotiations and dialogue as the bedrock of our approach. We did. Caution to convince them to relinquish power as suggested and reinstate President Bazoum. 
It is our duty to exhaust all avenues of engagement to ensure a swift return to constitutional governance in Niger. More specifically, as leaders of our respective nations, we must recognize that the political crisis in Niger not only poses a threat to the stability of the nations, but also has far-reaching implications for the entire West African region. By remaining steadfast in our adherence to the principle of democracy, good governance, and the rule of law, we can restore peace, stability, and prosperity in the Republic of Niger, thereby fostering an environment conducive for growth and development for all. Esteemed Excellencies, ladies and gentlemen, I'm confident that the second ECOWAS Extraordinary Summit today on the socio-political situation in Niger will be a defining moment in our journey towards a stronger, more resilient, and integrated West Africa. Let us seize this opportunity to make a lasting impact on the lives of our fellow Africans. Yes, and we accept us. We must resolve to do it ourselves, and we are the only one. I extend my gratitude to each of you for your attention to this critical issue. I, draw, I trust that our deliberation will be productive and fruitful, leading us to finding an amicable solution. And we'll be keeping our eyes on that deliberation as it uh, unfolds in Nigeria. We'll bring you updates as and when we have them uh, for you. This is the Pulse on the Joy News Channel. When we return, the Bank of Ghana has come under intense criticism for making some huge losses. But the bank is fighting back, explaining their position on the matter. We'll take you live to the headquarters um, of the BOG and get you some updates. We'll tell you what. Smile, hmm? Look lively, okay? Smile, smile! Is the money too small? A bad stomach ruins your day. Don't let it. Take Gastro, your most effective antacid for the relief of symptoms of peptic ulcer, heartburn, gas pain, flatulence, and indigestion. Hey guys, what are you waiting for? Let's go, let's go. Mwah. Can you bring down the smiles more? <laughs> Gastro, effective relief from stomach discomfort. Manufactured and distributed by NS Chemist Limited. This advertisement has been approved by the FDA. 
It's the Premier League, all on DSTV. All the goals, clashes and moments. All of Rashford, Salah and Saka. The start is getting better and better. All in the language of your choice, all in HD. Available on all these bouquets to choose from, to watch on all these devices. Get DSTV with an HD decoder plus one month compact for 299 CDs. It's the Premier League, all on DSTV. Joy 99.7 FM brings you another Joy Family Forum dubbed Becoming Mr. and Mrs. All you need to know before marriage. A breakfast meeting for singles led by home affairs and hosted by yours truly, Adam Night Day. Our guest speakers for the day are Ghana's favorite uncle, Uncle Lebo White, and Reverend Mrs. Rita Crunchy Ankara, First Lady of the Royal House Chapel. Mrs. Theresa Riafia Sante Mamati, Ariel the Wellness Coach, Kobinata Bedu, PG Sebastian, Lawyer Kwekuyamwa Pinto, Dr. Promise Sepoga, and a host of other seasoned relationship coaches and counselors will all be in attendance. You get to enjoy a good buffet breakfast, giveaways, networking, and other fun activities at a cool rate of 150 Ghana CDs per head and 250 for two. Venue is the Best Western Plus Hotel, Nungwa. Time is 6 a.m. through to 10 a.m. and the date is 12 August 2023. Please reserve your spots now. Call or WhatsApp 059-288-9986 for your reservations. This event is supported by Best Western Plus Hotel, Nungwa, Ship Healthcare Specialist Medical Center, Nish, Gobakinti, and Marie Noel's Spa and Salon. Becoming Mr. and Mrs. All you need to know before marriage. Crystal clear and thrilling podcast and live shows. Download and listen to us on Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, MyJoy Online, Amazon services like Echo, Amazon Music, and Audible, Stitcher, Adam Online, Overcast, and Pandora. Take note of everything. Sign up for the multimedia digital platforms now to stay updated. Imagine a family without a home. Imagine a song without a voice. Imagine a church without prayers. Imagine a government without citizens. Imagine democracy without journalists. Imagine a world without the media. Life is full of issues and stories about people, communities, and governments. Stories that have to be told by well-trained journalists. That's why you can't imagine news without Joy News.
thanks for staying with us here on The Pulse. It's been a very busy last 24 hours for the Bank of Ghana, which has been trying to explain away the unprecedented 60 billion cities losses recorded by the bank in 2022. And some expenditure, in particular, the minority had uh, taking aim at the new Bank of Ghana head office, uh, which is being con- uh, constructed at a cost of 250 million US dollars. We take you live now to the headquarters. Uh, uh, of uh, the Bank of Ghana. Samuel Kozibrace, my colleague, is there for us. Uh, so we, we know that the bank uh, has been justifying the construction, but tell us where you are now and what we're seeing right now on, on our screens. So, Blessed, what you're seeing is the building which is under construction now. Uh, we're standing a, a distant away because, as you know, we're not giving uh, permission to enter the premises. So we have to come here so that Ghanaians all over the world can see what that money is being used for. So what you see on your screens now um, is the structure. I, I think I could count about um, uh, more than eight levels. And it, it, it's at Ridge, you know, just opposite the Ridge Hospital uh, and also uh, close to the Fidelity Head Office. So this is what it is. And what is happening now, as you can see, is that uh, steel benders are working to uh, make sure that they erect the, st- the steels needed for the concrete works on I think the, it's the Sith level that's where they are now. The uh, concrete works, I mean the structure itself as you see has already been erected but they are trying to put in some pillars uh, to reinforce the structure of the building. So that is where they are now. Uh, the w- workers on the site are tight-lipped, they won't speak to us but I was able to, I mean, nose around to understand that this has been undertaken by a company called Gold Key Development. So that is, as for that, I can be um, sure with it. The company is a key uh, development. I saw their brand on the helmet, which was being worn by the workers there. So, blessed for, for all Ghanaians all over the world. This is the construction of the new head office of the Bank of Ghana, which they say is costing the country some $250 million. It's really a huge complex. I mean, just beside this uh, huge thing you see, we have, you know, a lower building, which uh, probably we anticipate to serve as another office. But in, in front of it, there's a huge space that, according to people, will be used as a car park. So, so that is what is happening. Now you see cranes trying to support the work all over. Um, we saw some uh, masons who are also there, but they are not doing any cement work. What is happening now is that the steel benders are the ones trying to ensure that they form the structures needed for concrete works to begin. But as you can see, the work is really progressing. That was justification from, from the Bank of Ghana as to why they need this new edifice. Are we clear on why they are opting for this new facility? Well, uh, blessed, we understand that they said the old one is not 
um, earthquake resistant building and therefore they had to uh, they had to relocate I mean this is a ridge uh, it's not one of the areas that has been uh, uh, drawn down as an earthquake prone area and of course once this is a new building uh, the technology they are using would take into cognizance the fact that it will be an earthquake resistant building we haven't been able to get any of the uh, expert around to speak to to really understand uh, what they are doing to ensure this is an earthquake prone building but you can tell that once they said the old one is not then of course uh, the technology they will use is to make this one an earthquake uh, uh, resistant building so we can only infer that because they said the old one is not then of course this one uh, would involve a technology that will make it earthquake resistant building and 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 from what i saw when i went closer to the building in fact uh, I gained access to, to, the, to the yard before they brought me out because then I didn't carry a camera. I went there to ask if I could get anybody to speak to. So there I could see exactly what's happening. Uh, I mean, the, the, the pillars are really strong. I mean, I have a lay, lay but I could, I could tell from, from the lay that this, these are strong pillars and the, the, the building looks really, really strong. So you can say that, in fact, all of those have been taken into consideration to ensure that they have a building that is at one. That, that, that we need to come in now. But maybe, in due course, I was asking the officers there, I saw some safety officers, about three of them, mm. uh, to see if okay. we could, uh, they could help us understand, but they said they couldn't well, speak need, to well, us, I'm, and that's why uh, we were for... not uh, apologies for, for, for that. Uh, we're unable to see the building, uh, obviously because of uh, connection problems, but uh, the point is quite established that the Bank of Ghana uh, appears to be um, proceeding with the new project to have a new headquarters. They've justified that. Uh, my colleague Samuel uh, Kujo Brace giving us uh, updates on that. Ghana is likely to alter the deadline for the country's first nuclear power plant due to several factors, including funding. According to Dr. Stephen Yamo, executive director for the nuclear power, Ghana, he is uh, the operators of the country's yet-to-be-constructed nuclear power plant. Uh, Ghana missed the achievement of phase one of the project, and that uh, has the potential to affect the attainment of the 2030 deadline. Tamoko Jobrits uh, of our energy desk has the following report. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera, pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCI US LLC. Government of Ghana decided to turn to nuclear energy to complement power generation in the country as electricity demand has been estimated to be growing at a high rate of about 7 to 8% per annum over the past years. 
but the target here for the completion of Ghana's first power plant is likely to be missed. At a news conference organized by the Nuclear Regulatory Authority on the role of the NRA in Ghana's nuclear power program, Dr. Stephen Yamwa, Executive Director of Nuclear Power Ghana, operators of the plant, explained why we are likely to miss. Per the roadmap that we, we developed, which we are still running with it, uh, the target was to complete phase two by 2024. Uh, the phase one target was 2017, but we missed the target. We eventually completed phase one, I think 2019 or so. So uh, there's, a, there's a gap that we need to fill. But in mind, you are nuclear, you can't, sh- you can't, you can't shorten the time. You know, you, if you have to go through uh, things in a systematic, orderly way, you go through it. He says the country's roadmap will be reviewed soon. There's a major point after which we will want to review the roadmap. That is when we have had a direction in terms of the technology and the vendor. Because that seems to be the one major thing that will likely uh, prolong the, 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 the schedule. So if we are able to get a clarity and a direction as to which vendor we're going with, then we are working with the vendor and together we will review the roadmap and then we'll come up with a more um, uh, defined and realistic time. Dr. Yamwa, however, revealed that all is not gloomy. There are other things that we are fast-tracking. For example, there's a lot of uh, effort and intensification in the vendor engagement. To us, that is critical because once we, we have a direction as to the vendor and the technology, it will make things look more focused in terms of the training that we have to provide to our people. From the regulatory side of things, they also you know, put in a lot of effort to ensure that the regulations are ready. Every stage of the project uh, program and uh, most activities has to go through regulatory process. So for example, the site that we have identified, we have to present a report to the regulator and then they will then benchmark our activity, the information that we have provided, benchmark it against their regulations to ensure that it meets their standards and their requirements. Putting all of this together, yes, we, we were behind in phase one, but uh, we're making an effort to, to fill the gap. The regulator, Nuclear Regulatory Authority, NRA, says it is seriously implementing measures to ensure the safety of citizens when the plant comes alive. Engineer Dr. Ni Koshi Alote is the Director General of the NRA. We are actually getting our international partners to support us a lot and guide us into what we wish we should actually do. So we've actually got a lot of MOUs with with various organizations and the U.S. Nuclear Regulatory Commission like this, they are helping us a lot. We've got a technical exchange program with them and we are are actually going to the next phase where we are going to a phase of coaching. So they are actually going to be taking our staff one one by one, showing them what what, what they must do. So, So we are doing all this. But linked linked to, to that, we recognize the, the fact that we, we still need some international experts to support us. So we're also in the business of, of getting ready 
to also have some international experts to support us in the review of what we are doing. So we are doing a combined development of our skills to be able to do that and then getting international support to help us to be able to do that. Despite the potential of a review of the target date, the verve to construct Ghana's first nuclear power plant is still high on the agenda of the state. Until then, though, the NRA is poised to ensure all precautions are put in place to welcome Ghana's yet-to-be-born new baby, the nuclear power plant. For Joy News, I am Samuel Kojabrace. And officials of the Roads and Highways Authority expected in the northeast region following havoc caused to the major road uh, leading to the region, uh, to the southern parts of the country. A torrential, uh, torrential rainfall on Wednesday caused the collapse of a huge um, colonial era dam at uh, Tinguri in the uh, West Mampusi municipality of the northeast region. Floodwaters uh, from the collapsed dam inundated the community causing a breach uh, on the main Walewale Nalarigu road uh, to be washed off, splitting the road apart and leaving dozens of passengers and motorists stranded for long hours. All commercial uh, activities in the region have come to a standstill uh, this morning. Join you, Cecilia Sotanko recounts the devastation caused by the floods. The torrential rains started at about 4 a.m. Wednesday and poured unceasingly until midday. The heavy rains across the region left a trail of destruction as homes were flooded and personal properties as well as public utilities destroyed. At Tingui in the West Mampersi municipality, the rains caused the community dam to collapse and excessive water spill from the collapsed dam submerged and washed away a bridge on the main Walewale Nalirugu Road. The road was ripped apart by floodwaters from the dam causing several passengers traveling on the road to be stranded. Here are some residents of Tinguru and Bani who witnessed the collapse of the dam and the destruction of the road. Look, as you can see, a lot of farms have been destroyed and some people's houses have been broken down. So please, uh, if the government can come to our aid and then help us and then you see how they can they fix it for us because that cannot pass to Waliwali and that too cannot pass from Waliwali to Nalerugu. So the river has been uh, destroyed. We are unable to cross the Timbri the same way the people of Timbri are unable to reach us. If you have any assistance, we need it immediately. The rain has caused a lot of havoc. It has destroyed our bridge and has rendered the road unmotorable. As you can see, if they didn't come and block it, dry season will not get water to build our houses. Our animals too will not get water to drink. So we are appealing to the stakeholders. Anyone who can come to our aid, we are pleading, please help us. If not, this year we will not find it easy. A group of travelers from Nalirugu was seen stranded here in Bani. Although officials of the National Disaster Management Organization visited the scene, the stranded passengers say they did not provide any assistance to them. As a result, a group of young people in Tinguri and Bani mobilized themselves and discovered a new route where desperate travelers crossed for a fee. Passengers traveling in and out of the regional capital were offloaded at Tinguri and Bani, where they had to walk several miles or ride pillion through the bush road to reach this new crossing point. 
Emmanuel is the leader of the group. So far, we are here since the morning helping the people. Because as you can see over there, you can see our other police over there helping the other people. So when they come, we also help them go Look, so we need help. Uh, we beg. If anybody there around can help us, we will beg. We will beg. North East Road, the main road of North East, is broke. Today, this early in the morning, around 6 o'clock, rain, rain, to 12 o'clock before it stopped, it broke the North East Road. It broke the North East Road. So we need help. The rains are said to have also caused significant damage to residential buildings and other properties in the East Mampusi municipality and the UU district. The disaster management organization said it could take days to conduct a full and complete assessment of the situation due to the intensity of destruction. The regional minister, who was also at the scene, declined to comment. The member of parliament for Nalergu Gambaga, Alhaji Baba Seidu Isifu, who was traveling to his constituency, was forced to return to Tamil. Atinguri, flood, and other weather-related disasters are common in the northeast region. Some of the victims are blaming their leaders for neglecting them. As you can see, if you go inside, you see what is happening. It caused a lot of havoc inside. And all the time, we, we complain about it. But since that and up to now, authorities, they don't listen. Until sometimes, even something major happens, they don't come to our aid. When you come to our rooms, we can't sleep today. Where are we going to sleep? And sometimes when you complain, 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 they don't listen. They really want someone to die before they will now come to our aid. But what do they want? Elias Sotanko reporting from Tinguri for Joy News. Now, a less expensive uh, form of uh, dialysis for uh, people suffering from kidney failure involves uh, uh, filing, uh, the, filling the uh, abdomen, abdomen actually with uh, fluid and draining uh, the fluid uh, to rid the body of the waste. Uh, the method known as uh, peritoneal dialysis is done manually or automatically using a machine called automated uh, cycler. This uh, automated cycler, which does the uh, exchange of fluid for uh, patients at night is important and can be financially uh, stressful for the poor. Fortunately, biomedical engineering students of the Kwame Nkrumah University of Science and Technology uh, have been able to build a less expensive cycler. Lava Femme's Kwesi Deborah uh, speaks with uh, the inventors. We have these two procedures that we do, that's hemodialysis, that we use the hemodialysis machine. Now, um, statistics shows that the number of hemodialysis machines in the country isn't much, and so um, mostly they are, being, um, they are expensive. They are, they are very expensive, and so this procedure is mostly being used the manual continuous ambulatory peritoneal dialysis, which we have automated. The traditional procedure is being used um, in the hospital, mostly at the, for the children, at the children's ward. And so um, we sitting back and looking at the challenge that we have, um, we have as a country that hemodialysis machine um, they are not enough in the country, and most of them are. Um, being owned by government hospitals and hence the price are very high for one um, procedure. And so we do this also to subsidize the cost and also it can be used in the hospital and then um, as well as use, being used in the house. 
Another part of it is that with the traditional continuous ambulatory peritoneal dialysis, it's a um, labor-intensive. Uh, with the traditional continuous ambulatory peritoneal dialysis procedure, the, there is the inflow, the dwell time, and then the drain. Okay, so with the inflow, um, the mechanism that they employ is gravity, where they hang the dialysate bag on an IV pole, and then um, they open the channel for it to flow into the peritoneum cavity. And then when it's done, um, they, they close the valve, that's manually done. They switch the valve for an in, a dual time, which depends on the peritoneum cavity of the patient. So it can go from um, 30 minutes to uh, an hour or more, five hours. Okay, so with this um, procedure, we, we didn't want um, to change the identity of it, so we kept some part of the traditional, traditional continuous ambulatory peritoneal dialysis, and we automated um, other parts. So the parts that we uh, we kept is the the inflow part where we use the gravity. So here you hang your dialysate bag as my as my as my colleague is using. Um, this is the dialysis. This is our dialysate bag for practical purposes. So you hang it and then um, you allow for the, um, an inflow. So here we are performing the rinse, okay? So um, as, the, as we pass through the dialysis from the, from the dialysis bag, there is a motor in here. For the normal one, we use them. Um, for the traditional one, we use gravity for the, for the drain. But here we are employing a pump, so you, as you can see, as the water as the water goes in here, it is being drained out here by the pump in the machine, which in turn speeds up the whole process. And it's safe because um, the normal pressure that's not going to affect the cavity of the human being is um, 10.3 kilopascal, and we calibrated our pump, our water pump in there with the, this value, so it's safe to use. So um, as and when the drain is done, you hear a buzzer indicating that it's done. Then the valve switches to a different procedure. That's, this is the ring, so then it goes to an inflow. And that's all we have for you in this package of the polls. I'm blessed to come. Log on to myjoyonline.com for more stories. We'll see you again next is Let's Talk Showbiz. Thanks for watching.